so you know the core problem of, of tracking in virtual reality is you need the um, headset and the controllers to be represented you know essentially perfectly in 3d space and relay that information to the game so um, with your head it's very important because you can get motion sickness if you don't have uh, reliable tracking um, because your eyes are going your head's, head's moving one place but right. visually you're not moving in, in the correct direction so that's a, a very critically important part of that um, and then you've got your controllers and peripherals which you know if you want to have a reliable interaction they have to be where um, you're actually moving them because your brain you know can figure out the difference you you very you know roughly know where stuff is it's the reason where why you can uh you know take out your arm close your eyes and and touch the tip of your nose Mm -hmm. um there's a big fancy greek word for that that i can't recall right now but um so yeah i mean tracking is is hugely important the way that this is achieved um by different you know platforms is pretty interesting there's some pretty uh, big differences between some of them um some pretty big similarities um I'll, I guess I'll start off with um, kind of the simplest one, PlayStation VR. Okay. Um, so the the PlayStation VR tracking is has actually remained pretty much the same since before they had PlayStation VR. So I mean, if you remember, you know, the, the um, PlayStation Move with the cameras and the, the yeah. LEDs and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, people attach them to guns. People, you know, you know, use them as the little wands. Um, it's it's pretty simple. So it uses uses inertial um, tracking and visual tracking. Okay. Um, inertial tracking is good because it's really fast. Um, you'll get updates of data very very quickly, thousands of times per second. But it's not very reliable. It's not very accurate. So you need to um, you know always intermittently uh, make sure that that positional data is corrected by something visual. Right which will be absolute. So the way that the PSVR does it is they have this nice, big, glowing ping pong ball sort of uh, thing on the end of it, and the camera just tracks where it is. And they put a lot of effort into making sure that that color um, is not seen in the background and calibrating to that so it can always find where the actual ball is. Um, Then, you know, that is interspersed with much faster inertial data, which is, you know, we call them IMUs, inertial measurement unit but it's a gyroscope and accelerometer measuring the actual you know inertial motion as opposed to the absolute position and then so how would you compare sort of the psvr with the vive or oculus how you know how how do those play into that yeah so the playstation vr um is definitely on the more primitive end of tracking technologies you can you can optimize more and more um, the technology but in the end there's kind of a, a finite limit to how well it can track um, it's always about getting a better camera getting a better um, you know IMU updating faster things like that and in many ways the oculus platform is limited by the same things so okay. oculus does this really interesting um, thing uh, they call it the constellation it's based on some research done you know a couple de- decades ago um, where they have a bunch of infrared LEDs, and they all blink very, very quickly, uh, you know, in a synchronous fashion, and uh, they all relay data. And there's much more, you know, it gets more complicated, but they, um, that's their visual method. And so instead of, they still have an inertial measurement unit, and they use it in the same way that PlayStation does. Um, and everybody uses the inertial measurement unit the same way. It's just about the absolute position. Okay. So instead of having that ping pong ball, that, you know, colored... Uh, thing tracked by a camera they have these infrared leds tracked by a camera 
Um, some of the big benefits there is that human beings, we can't see infrared. So um, it's kind of obscured from you. You don't, you know, it's not very obvious how the technology works. It's a little sleeker. Um, but if you pull up a camera or something like that, you can actually see it. Uh, but yeah, it has the same limitations. Uh, you need a better camera. You need uh, um, you know, faster camera, faster data, things like that. Uh, so, you know, the technology is more impressive, but uh, at the end of the day, it is it, it is also still limited. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's PSVR, Oculus, right? Th- those both use a camera, and they're sort of tracking you in the space using that. Um, so, what about sort of lighthouse tracking, which is what I guess the Vive would use? Um, yeah, yeah. So, lighthouse tracking, I can definitely um, speak on a lot more. You know, as Ilium VR is a, a licensee of the the lighthouse technology. Right. Um, so. It's pretty interesting. It solves a lot of the limitations that the camera style tracking um, has in that, you know, a camera, you know, can track whatever images, whatever objects that it sees within its frame. But vibe tracking, actually, the objects track themselves. So they figure out their own position and they report it back. So theoretically, you have kind of an unlimited um, amount of uh, objects that you can track. Whereas with a camera, there's just as many as you can, you know, feasibly resolve based on the resolution and, and the field of view and things like that. Okay. So Lighthouse technology, it's called Lighthouse technology because it starts with two base stations. They hang on your wall. Um, they kind of work similar to lighthouses in that they have these scanning lasers that rotate and revolve and scan across your room. And those are infrared in the same way that the Oculus technology uses infrared. Um, so it's you know sleek. It's You don't really see it. It just tracks you, um, which is really nice. Um, and those laser lines are, you know, sweeping across your room at very specific times, very specific, um, you know, degrees kind of per second. And so your controller, uh, if you ever see a Vive controller or a Vive headset, it's got a bunch of divots on it. And those are all sensors. So they detect when they get hit by the laser lines. And uh, based on the time that it gets hit, you can you do a bunch of trigonometry and figure out, okay, this is, um, this is the angle that the laser was at when it swept across um, and then after that you kind of take all of that data and you solve the equation it's called EPNP is a is the mathematical um, function that you have to solve to figure out the um, the actual position and, and rotation and mm-hmm. it's actually the same problem necessary to solve for the oculus so at that level they're actually the software level they're pretty similar but the hardware and beyond and uh, and some of the limitations are very different and so Talking further about sort of the constraints with each system, can you talk a little bit about sort of why we chose uh, the Vive? Yeah, well, I think I, w- I would first say that it's a little bit of a um, uh, misnomer, you know, uh, misattribution to say that we've always supported the Vive. We, we've supported the Vive, you know, since it existed. But we've existed, uh, our, our company and our products have and prototypes have existed long before um, the Vive actually came out. And so we actually originally supported Oculus technology. Okay. Um, so we have older prototypes that have, you know, Constellation-style tracking that we reverse-engineered and produced our own solution for. Um, some of them have completely different style tracking that, that work as well. So um, at a certain point, we transitioned to the Vive, um, which is an important thing to note. So it was... Um, a big portion of that is definitely in the controllers. So, I mean, Oculus was the first uh, name in town when it comes comes to virtual reality for the consumer. Um, so, 
you know, we started out with their headsets, we started out with um, their software, their games, but um, there were no controllers, so we just had to make controllers. We had to make it with whatever technology we could, and we spent, you know, years doing research for that. And once the Vive came out, it already had these controllers immediately with it, which Oculus has their own now, called the Touch, which are really cool. Um, and so those those controllers were just a really easy solution to strap on to the um, the front of our controllers to to solve the tracking problem, so that we could focus more on the more important uh, issue when it comes to making a, an immersive peripheral, which is making the hardware and the experience as immersive as possible. Somebody else has already solved this problem of 3D positional tracking. You know, Oculus solved it, Vive has solved it, PlayStation VR has solved it, all in their own ways. So um, that's not something that we are interested in solving and something we're interested in integrating with. Um, so we are always focused on making the most immersive controller possible on those separate platforms. Okay, and can you talk a little bit about um, this idea of inside-out tracking? I've heard this a lot. Um, I know it has more to do with uh, the player itself, right? Tracking from the controller that they're using rather than around them trying to see them in the space. Yeah, so there's there's two kind of um, parts to inside-out tracking. Most people, when they refer to inside-out tracking, um, or outside-in tracking. Um, PlayStation VR and um, Oculus are very obvious examples of outside-in tracking. So they are cameras from the outside looking into your player space and identifying objects. Um, when most people refer to uh, inside-out tracking, they're um, referring to objects or headsets having cameras on them that look to the outside world. And they figure out, okay, you have a wall here, your wall is probably not going to move. Your couch is probably not going to move. That painting on your wall is probably not going to move. So it detects those images and looks around them. And I know, uh, you know it can gain a position on that. So we know that Oculus is working on this. We know that um, Valve actually had some early prototypes for the um, Steam, Steam VR headsets, the Vive style headsets that used um, cameras and uh, outside in tracking. They actually used instead of trying to figure out where your wall is or where your furniture is or something like that, they used what they called fiducials. And they um, just looked like QR codes. So they pretty much had a room slapped around with QR codes. And the camera would figure out, okay, this QR code is here, so that means I'm looking in this direction <laughs> at this angle. Um, it's an interesting way to solve the problem. Um, when you look at the Vive controllers and, and Lighthouse technology now, um, in a way, it's similar, you know, it's kind of an outside-in problem in that the device tracks itself. So, or sorry, an inside-out problem uh, or type solution where, you know, in inside-out camera tracking, you have the object with a camera figuring out where it is in the space. And the Vive controllers and the headset are the same way in that they are not told where they are. They figure out where they are and report that. And so um, inside-out tracking, both Lighthouse style and this camera style, you know, give a really good opportunity for kind of an infinite play space mm -hmm. almost and an infinite number of interactions and hardware and other things like that. It removes a lot of the limitations. So, I mean, how close are we to sort of having that available to consumers, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's definitely a hard problem. It's a very hard problem to solve um, to the point that, you know, Oculus has been heavily hiring uh, machine vision programmers for, really? you know, a year now or a couple of years now, to try and get um, as many as possible to solve the problem. Actually, I remember when I was at Oculus Connect, 
and you know, John Carmack was talking and he was he was viewing people's demos and stuff and uh, somebody came up and they had a mach machine vision, computer vision type application and he pretty much like offered them an interview on the spot. <laughs> um, so that's how heavily they're, they're investing into that sort of technology and it's, it's a hard problem to solve. People have already done a lot of research into it. There's technologies called SLAM, which um, I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's uh, a, you know, used for inside out style tracking. Um, so in terms of a timeline, you know, I, I couldn't put a really good guess to it because it's not something that we're actively working on. Um, I know that Oculus is putting a lot of effort into mm -hmm. it. Um, and I'm sure that many other, um, research institutions and companies are trying it out as well because it's a, it's a good solution to the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's really an exciting, uh, sort of avenue to research. Um, and I know we can really get into the weeds here with a lot of this, um, uh, the tech stuff, uh, definitely. Yeah. But I guess just to finish up, uh, if someone were to you know come to you and say, you know, I have no VR headset, but I really want to get into it, um, what are sort of the things you look for in a consumer there of what headsets would work best for them, what their needs are, whether they're playing shooter games, you know, they're doing more discovery experiences. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You mean from like a perspective of a consumer purchasing? Right. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, there's a lot of different uh, ends of the spectrum here. Um, and I would you know, first ask a lot of questions of what they're trying to do. So if they're just trying to dip their toes into virtual reality and see what the experience is like, go get a Google Cardboard, get a Daydream if you have a Pixel mm -hmm. phone or a supported phone like that. Mobile virtual reality is a great way to just experience VR you know, at its base level and see what the, the regular you know, experience, the, the basic experience of it is. Um, if they have already tried that and they're, you know, hungry for more, um, you know, it's, it's a question of price point when you look at virtual reality, uh, or PlayStation uh, VR rather, um, their price point is much lower than the Oculus or the Vive. It's around $600, right? I mean, total something, cost. Something like that, I, I, I believe. Um, so, and a lot of people already have the, the new version of the PlayStation 4 that all you have to buy is the headset for mm -hmm. it. So... Um, that's a really good way to get a lot of people into it. And, you know, many regular consumers already trust PlayStation. They know PlayStation has been right. making good consoles for, for they've years. they've got content too. Exactly. They have all of those, those, um, things built out already. If you're looking for something more along the lines of the bleeding edge of, of virtual reality or, you know, the cutting edge of virtual reality, um, Oculus or Vive are both really good platforms, um, in the long term. Uh, Vive is probably going to have a lot more hardware experiences like the ones that we're developing because mm -hmm. of how open and free they're being with their um, hardware and their the Lighthouse platform. But Oculus is investing, you know, half a billion dollars into game game development. So there's a lot of more content, um, more polished content that will be there in the near future. So um, it really depends on what they're looking for um, and, you know, what they're trying to purchase and what experiences they're trying to, to to captive, capture and, and, and have.